Welcome back to Factory Sealed. It is May 3rd, 2016. My name is Eric Peterson, and I'm joined today by Miss Jess Clarkson. Hello. Hi, Jess. Hi. I don't think anybody else is here. No. I can get my cat. Mm. Yes. Well, your cat's probably a lot quieter than Aaron's dogs used to be. Yes. What were his dog's names? Fry and Boomer? Fury Fry. Just kidding. That's Fry. Fury Fry. Who's the other one? Shit. Oh, man. We're bad people. We're terrible. I just remember Fry. Well, Fry was the vocal one. Yeah. Fry and Philip? No, that's from Futurama. (laughs) (laughs) Philip Fry. Oh, my God. God, I was watching, speaking of dogs, The Mindy Project the other day, mm-hmm. and it's an old episode, and they go to Eddie from Frasier, the little Jack Russell's grave, and I was so sad because I didn't realize that he died, like I didn't ever think about it, but he's dead now. Huh. I know. Huh. I didn't know that dog was dead. Well, I'm assuming so. The show was shot in the 90s. Yeah, but you just never think about it until it makes you sad. Is there like a memorial tombstone? Um, In this show there was, but I don't know how legit that was because it was like a gold statue. Probably not right then. Probably not. Probably not. How have you been, Jess? I feel like it's been way too long since you've graced this podcast with your presence. I know. We've just been held together by the skin of our teeth here. With Dan being gone for a month, Tom and I having scheduling conflicts, you just disappearing. And then last weekend, we were all supposed to be together. Tom forgot that he and Kat booked a trip to Denmark. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot my sister was coming to town. It's just a. You forgot you had motorcycle yeah. class. Which got canceled. Yes. Um, and I'm super irritated because, like, our schedule has gone to shit recently, and Dan's going to come back and be like, oh, it was all me holding it together. You guys just fall apart when I'm not here. <laughs> That's my Dan. Is that good? <laughs> good as mine. So there you go. Well, yours is a little too poshy. I know. Yeah. What? 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 <laughs> what? Podcast <laughs> with Oz? What? You fucking slag? <laughs> Can't hear you, man. Me and Annette's too shit. <laughs> Although, according to Dan, and this will be something that I won't believe until I hear it, he returned from Down Under with approval from his girlfriend to get fiber internet. So exciting. I don't know. I'm not convinced it's going to make a difference. I feel like it has to. Like... I don't think it could get worse. Well, part of it could be 
his computer and that he uses wireless. But you use wireless too, don't you? Yes. Well, we'll see. I mean, we may it may be the end of a mocking era in a couple weeks. I know. And I do actually think that's interesting that like everyone went from like wired connections and then like wireless was the shit and now people are like, "Eh. Yeah. I need a wire." I'm over that wireless. Yeah. It's convenient, but it's not optimal. So we'll see. It could be we could be turning a new leaf. But we we have gotten word not only did he make it back from Australia okay. I mean, I guess that's good. But he came back with approval to get not shit internet. Now, what the quality of the fiber in England is, I'm not sure. I told I told him to make sure that he gets like the actual glass fiber and not like cotton or silk. Because I I'm not positive he knows the difference. He's just like it's a fiber, it's cotton. I mean, polyester blend. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. I just decided to throw the what in. Well, I mean, that's when I knew you were really channeling your inner Dan. Obviously, yeah. that's good. That's my favorite. Like, I don't think we can get above Dan impression at that point. <laughs> that's true. This is two weeks in a row. We've really uh, gone into him. Tom and I had a good time at his expense last week. I feel like you need to have a guest appearance by Ellie and her what? What? Or the uh, hundy. I've changed my ringtone sense. So Ah. I don't know if she still knows that. I'm assuming well, she would. Like, what's Dan say? You what? have some time. It Come may back. have to be a pre-recorded thing. Fair. Because you know how kids are. They're a little gun shy. Well, I don't know if That's you know true. how kids are. Like, have you ever seen a child? I think I saw a tiny human, but I'm not entirely sure. Because I know you're, you're miniature person averse. Mm-hmm. But my friend's kids are cute, actually. You're one of those people that you like kids, but you like other people's kids. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be an aunt. That. Yes, yes. yes, you could. Or just like Insta family, like five, six years old when they're like cute and sassy. You know that there's adoption, right? And you can choose the age groups you want to adopt. Like, if you just want to skip the poopy pants and tantrums, you can go straight to the the know-it-all six-year-olds. I feel like, though, if I was to be like, what up? I don't want these poopy pants children. I want a sassy one. They might be like, eh, do you really have your priorities in check? <laughs> you might not be the best person <laughs> to raise a child. Maybe not. Yeah. Because then you get a call a week later like, I'm over this. How long do I need to keep her? <laughs> she's not sassy anymore. Yeah. Now she's just becoming bratty. Yeah. Uh, Jess, what else have you been up to? You've been motorcycle training, right? Yes. Now, is that... Uh, the, um, 
l- let me ask some follow-up questions. Yes. Is this preemptive to owning a motorcycle or reactive because you impulse purchased a motorcycle and have no idea how to ride it? Preemptive. So you don't Because your insurance have one. goes down. No, I have a motorcycle. So it's reactive. You bought a motorcycle. Yeah. I so guess so. Is this it, is all in the plan. Is it a real motorcycle or is it a moped? Oh my god. So I was looking for fuses for my legit motorcycle and I go into Canadian Tire and these friggin' like I work at a parts department during at Canadian Tire, which is like not super cool. And they were like, um, are you sure this isn't a moped? I'm well, fucking sure it's not a moped. Is it what kind okay. I'll be the judge because I will look up a picture. What is it? It is a CCW Misfit, which is such an obscure brand. CCW Misfit. Yes. Okay, that's a legit motorcycle. It's a 250. That looks like a cafe racer. That thing is tits. I know. And I'm making it sparkly. And now it's not tits. (laughs) The fact that it'll have tits on it doesn't mean that it's tits. Whatever. Where did you get this? Um, from like our version of Craigslist. How much? Twenty four hundred. Hmm. Do you have to take this motorcycle to a motorcycle course where you can crash it and burn it, or do they let you abuse? Theirs? No, I get to drop theirs. Nice. Yeah. See, that's. Is it required that you get a motorcycle certification in Canada, or can anybody ride a motorcycle? Like right now, I have my M1, so I wrote a written test, and then um, I can ride a motorcycle at this point, not at night, and I can't have a passenger, and I can't have any alcohol, um, so I could go Wait. get on like the biggest bike ever and not know how to drive it, but I still am able to. As long as there's no alcohol in your system, there's a test that allows you to drink and drive up there? Well, when you get your M, like you get your M1, then you get your M2, and your M2 means that you could ride at night and have a passenger and go on the highway. And then your M allows you to have alcohol, but like below the legal limit. It's like 0.08? So no, that's it's, high. If we really want to split hairs, it's legal drinking and driving. Yeah, like, don't you guys, aren't you guys able to have, like, a drink and then drive? Oh, yeah, but just the way that you you build it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting, this drinking and driving license. See, and that's so, that's, I guess that's different to how it is here, because I, I went, took a written permit test, and basically said, all right, here you go, six months from now, you have to have your motorcycle license, or you have to come back and take another permit test. And uh, okay. I bought a motorcycle, taught myself how to ride it, never went to a class, and then the day that my permit was set to expired, I went, oh, shit. I really don't want to go take this permit test again. So I called up uh, the motorcycle testing department and said, hey, can I come in today and take this test? They're like, yeah, come on down. And it was under the freeway in this really sketchy shack next to this big open parking lot that had lines painted on it and a couple cones. 
And they took me out to that lot and just said, okay, follow these lines. And uh, I was done in 45 seconds. Like, here's your license. That was it. That's crazy. See, we, like, it just helps insurance a lot. Like, it dramatically decreases your insurance rates, Hmm. which is why I'm doing it. And because I tried to drive it in the parking lot and I stalled getting into second. So... Do you know how to drive a stick? (sighs) Yeah, it was just the, um, yeah, it was the clutch. I predict... A thing. Uh much bodily harm in your near future but i have badass motorcycle jeans and a jacket and a helmet and boots and gloves are you gonna join a motorcycle club so i bought like old parts off of someone else for andrew's motorcycle and then this guy's like i'm actually one of the officers of this motorcycle club you should join i "I don't even know how to ride it i'm in a motorcycle club i think you're gonna get jumped into a gang jess maybe and then before you know it you're gonna have spiked baseball bats uh whips and chains and maybe a sawed off shotgun and you're just gonna be canadian road rash just gonna chug maple syrup and beat some bitches (laughs) (laughs) weird I'm going to get all hopped up on that maple syrup and punch some jaws. Oh, my God. So, you know how I went to America Mm -hmm. uh, to visit my sister? Oh, my God. Okay. All of my life in Canada, I have never witnessed a bar fight. I just haven't. I go down there. My sister has her Jack and Jill. We go out for um, drinks at... What's a Jack After and the Jill? Jack and Jill. So there, I don't know if you guys call them something different, like ba- um, bachelorette party. No, it's where everyone gets together and you have like raffles and you're like raising money for the bride and groom. Who does that? Yes, exactly. That sounds like a like a a focused version of crowdfunding, which is okay. Go yes. on. So that is what the groom side wanted to do. So we went down and we all went for drinks after. And my sister and I got into a friggin' brawl at the bar. Like you actually she were involved in a bar punched fight? In the face. Well, I just got shoved. She got punched in the face though. Nice. By punched a guy or a girl? A girl. Oh, and then her fiance got punched in the face by the same girl, too. And her other friend got punched in the face. And my sister lost an earring. Like, it was t- totally oh, Jersey Shore. The horror. Oh, my God. It was crazy pants. What sparked it? Um, We were ordering a drink, and apparently our friend was ordering the drink too loud. I mean, yeah. So there is a certain volume that's acceptable at which to order things, I guess. Oh, yeah. Did she just walk up to the bar like in this really ritzy restaurant and just start screaming? Oh, no. It's like, um, like the bar was packed. Like a in this, I'm assuming the girl who who administered the cold cock was the one who was next to the too loud girl ordering. 
Yeah. So the too loud girl was like, dude, you're in a bar. Like, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. And then the bad girl was like, I'm not going to take this shit. And then just friggin' jumps on our friend and starts punching her. My sister, like the good Canadian, tries to get into her headlock. <laughs> and <laughs> then, She apologized like, the whole time she was doing it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm punching you in the eye socket. So we, yeah, we were just trying to like grab limbs and I didn't know her friends. So like this girl beside me was like, throw her out, throw her out. I'm like, yeah, what she said. And that turned out to be the bad girl's friend. And I'm like, God damn it. Did the police get involved? Yeah, our friend called the police because the manager wouldn't come out. So the police showed up. I mean, that's pretty sweet. It was crazy. And now it was that, like now I know. Air. Like, did that spark your desire to get a motorcycle? Like, basically, oh my God, I'm gonna, I just I need a motorcycle so I can roll up to this bar and just start bar fights and then just ride away into the well, night. Well, yeah, man. Like I was but telling my friend, I need to make sure that I have my M license so I can drive with alcohol in my system. Obviously, I mean it's all starting to piece together. Jess, come on. I have a tattoo. I've been in a bar fight. I have a motorcycle. You're I'm just, like, oh god! You are, <laughs> you are one motorcycle test away from being pure badass, basically, and maybe one not cat tattoo away from being badass as and well. And the ability to shift out of first gear. I'm not how I'm not sure how intimidating you can sound riding away from a bar fight in first gear. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give you 4,700 RPMs of intimidation, eh? That's right. Oh, On my little 250. <laughs> it's only a 250? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm really selling the image of badass right now. What color is it? It's black. Are you going to repaint it? Yeah, I'm painting the tank like a goldy, coppery, shimmery okay. color. I mean, at least it's not like Sanrio pink or... Nah. Dora the Explorer purple. No. No. Mm. Is she purple? Well, not her body. I'm I don't know. I just No, but her clothes. Uh I don't know. Let me see. She, yeah, she has purple shirt. Orange oh, okay. pants. Oh. Hideous TV show. Mm, don't think I've ever watched more than like two minutes. Oh. Count your lucky stars. (laughs) That's why six-year-olds would be awesome. Until they turn into 13-year-olds. Yeah. Mm. So that's it. You you got into your bar fight in our great country. You came, stirred up a ruckus, and then went back to your so-called peaceful nation. Basically. This is why we're trying to build a wall, Jess. (laughs) Keep people like you out. We have too much heroin. And it seems like we're one step closer because Ted Cruz just dropped out of the race. No. Mm-hmm. But we'll save so that for the Factory that... Sealed Politics podcast. God damn. But just side note, who else is still in it? Kasich, but he's Trump? a joke. So it's basically it's Trump. He's got the nod. Jeez Louise. Well, when you look at the two evils, it's the better of the two. 
Okay, we'll yeah. not go there. Yeah, <laughs> you and I, you and I don't agree on politics, but that's what makes no. our friendship so beautiful. It's true. If everybody agreed on everything, it'd just be boring as hell. Yep. So, uh, what have you been playing lately, Jess? I mean, you've been off the show for what seems like a year and a half. I know. Um, what was? I was playing something. Oh, I went back and played the original Portal. Just again, out of the blue. Out of the because I didn't have it on Steam, and then I got it on Steam. I feel like if any game deserves an HD remaster, it's the original Portal because it really wasn't that accessible. It was no Steam, and then the Half Life Orange Box on PS3, right? Yeah, and that was it. But also, I like hadn't played it in a while, and I was disappointed at the lack of like bitchiness from Glados. Because the second one, she's like all up in your grill. Well, the first one, I'm not sure that Portal was really designed to be a series back then. Fair. I think it was just kind of this one-off experiment, like. Like, what you see today, I mean, this came out in 07, I want to say. Yeah. I think so. 2007. It was kind of the equivalent of what you see with these one-off indie games. You're like, yeah, this is a novel concept. We're going to explore this game mechanic. And they just kind of threw in this character that everybody latched onto. And then they just went over the top with Portal 2. Yeah, I think that, like, my memories was like, oh, man, no, she's way bitchier. And then, no. No, Portal 1 definitely was more toned down. The puzzle uh, aspects of Portal 1 were fantastic, though. Did it? I haven't yeah. played it since. I don't think I've played it since I originally did. I've only played through it once. Did it hold up? It did. Um, Other than my, like false memories of extra sass but i'm pretty particular to the song at the end of portal i really like that and that because i knew they were going to do something for portal 2 and when i got portal 2 i purposely avoided listening to that song because i wanted to hear it when i beat the game what is the second one is it uh the first one is still alive the second one is yeah want you gone okay but it was both done by jonathan colton i mean the second oh, one is, okay. the second one's good it's not as good as the first the first one was awesome i wonder if they will ever do a remaster of that or do a third game i was gonna say maybe with half-life 3 <laughs> I think we've given up on that. Yeah. I've uh I've started my run through Ocarina of Time. Nice. So we have to have that done by the fifth of June. Sounds good. Will you be able to meet that deadline, Jess? See, now this is the thing. Uh-oh. Like I started it not too long ago. Okay. But how long is that window of needing to start again? It depends. What part were you at? 
And how long ago is long ago? Like a month, three months, two years? I want to say within the last year. How far into it are you? I mean, I feel like there's a certain... There's there's a certain point in any game. I mean, this one specifically where you're still kind of within the tutorial introductory stages of the game that you could probably jump in yeah. and still know what's going on. No, I'm I think the last one I had was those stupid sand bitches. Those stupid sand bitches. <laughs> The ones that are like pirates and they're mean and they capture you. Are you sure you're talking about Ocarina of Time? Like, I are think you so. are you talking? Of, maybe you're thinking of Wind Waker. Um, no, aren't there? So let's put it this like, way: to to oh, answer no. your question directly, I think as long as you're maybe still, just... <laughs> that was going to be my ultimate point, but. I would say that if you're still within the initial three opening dungeons where you have to collect the uh, the, the the three sigils, then you're probably... No, I'm past that. Oh, yeah. Then you probably should start over. Yeah. My, my memory of that game, and I think this happens a lot with older games. I mean, we've all got our favorite games that, that we say we've played to death. But have we really played them to death or have we just played the opening segments to death? Because I remember being a kid and going, oh, my God, I need to play Zelda. And I'd put it in. Spirit Temple. Sorry. Spirit Temple. There are the bitches there. So back to my point. (laughs) I would say, oh, my God, I need to play Zelda. And then I'd put it in and play through the first two dungeons and realize this is a huge game and then stop. And then six months later, I'd be like, oh my God, I got to play Zelda. And I'd play through the first two or three dungeons and go, ah. You know, our favorite games fill the gap between the big new games that come out. And I don't think we ever really finish them. Like, for example, Final Fantasy VII, I know the first disc like the back of my hand. But every time I decide to play through it further, I get to disc two and three and go, hmm. I don't really recall a lot of this. And it's the same way with Final yeah. Fantasy VIII. Illusion of Gaia, I know the first half of that game like the back of my hand. But after I get past Moo's Temple, I go, well, I have no recollection of this. And it's the worst, too, when you start a save that you've had a- for a long time. You're like, wow, I suck balls yes. now. Like starting at that high level and you're like, no idea. I may have all the cool like weapons, but that to be quite honest, and this is kind of embarrassing to admit that happened to me with final fantasy seven. Um, I never beat it when it first came out. I got to the last disc and then I spent so much time going around, exploring, doing everything, collecting all the material, leveling everybody up as high as they could go, collecting all the hidden uh, summons and then it just kind of tapered off, and I came back to it. I was in high school and went, I completely forgot how the materia system worked. And yeah. I had another buddy who was playing through it at the time. He's like, oh, and he just had to give me this refresher course on how the materia worked because I had all of this high-level materia. Everybody was super high-level, and it wasn't like the beginning of the game where it's like, here's your thunder and here's your all. Oh, and you put them into the slot that joins its thunder all. You had this huge complex 
system that you had to put stuff together on, and I just forgot how it worked. And that um, I played Fallout again recently um, for, and my character was so like just bitching, like I could one shot kill super mutants, and I was I'll like, "Ooh, some. I don't do not deserve this because I suck right now." <laughs> like. Let's start again. Yeah. Because I, I haven't played it in so long. In relation to Ocarina of Time, it for me, it's up through, mainly up to the Zora Temple that I know inside and out. Uh, I think the Zora Temple is just, we'll talk about this more on the 100th show, but the Zora Temple is one of the worst dungeons, not only in any Zelda game, but like just in any game in general. And I would always hit that and be reminded of just how shitty it was and go, oh, do I really want to slog through this again? And then stop. Yeah. So I'm like, are you talking about when you're inside the fish? uh, That's I don't recall, to be honest. I just know that the Zora Temple is not my favorite. Yeah, because it's so confusing and just not very well laid out. Yeah. But maybe, just maybe, my thoughts will change now that I am a more experienced gamer. Um, But I am playing through the 3D remake. Oh, okay. Just because I need it to be portable, you know. Fair. When you have a kid who sometimes wants to utilize the TV and you don't want to do anything else, it's quite convenient. So... I would say, yes, you should probably start over, Jess. Yeah. But it's not long. Yeah. It's not long at all. Well, the game is long, but to start over from where you are is not long. I was say. Yeah, we'll be good. I think it's 20 plus we'll hours, so that gives us one, two, three, five weeks. You know, four hours a week. That's less than an hour a day. I'm on, like, summer work hours now. It's good. Oh, it's good. See, my with my job, summer hits, and it just goes... <laughs> with productivity yeah so i need to scrimp and save or just stay up later and not sleep and that's generally what happens Mm -hmm. uh what else have anything else you've been playing this week last week two weeks past year have you finished any games recently portal that's not a short game that's like nine hours i know right Hmm. um i'm curious speaking of zelda i'm curious to get dan's take on link between worlds next week because i picked that game up raved about it uh, got you to play it and then you were just as surprised as i was got my uh sister's fiance to play it he was just as surprised as i was at the twist and how awesome that game was i have this deep-rooted feeling that dan's gonna come back and be like "Eh, it was kind of shit saw that twist coming i don't know i i don't huh like i don't physically know how you could predict that twist i just don't i feel like he might just be like oh yeah totally saw that coming but because can, we've hyped it up so much. But even still, for as much as we hyped it up, I mean, we gave no hints to it. 
And the game itself never once alluded to that. And that's the one... I, believe me, I'm all about spoiling games, but I will not spoil that twist because, well, it's not this earth-shattering twist. It was just one of the only gaming twists that completely blindsided me. I'm like, wow, never saw that coming. It was... Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to hear that because I was so, like... (sighs) No, I totally know what happens. Like, it blew my mind. Yeah, so good. So good. Um, Our game this week, hopefully you've been playing. I've been playing two versions of it. Oh, really? Yes. The one and only Ratchet and Clank, the original on PS2. Yes. Now... I didn't. I have the original on PS2, but for the sake of not having to dig out my PS2, hook things up, and play with a wired controller that a child can trip on, I played through the HD remake on PS3. Because I think it was like a buck or two a couple years ago on PSN. Like, yeah, I'll just pick them up. Oh, really? Yeah, it was dirt cheap. The whole package was wow. real cheap. So I played through that. Were you playing it on PS2? Um, <laughs> uh oh, no, um, no, I ended up having to uh, emulate it because that just did not work and I did not have time to figure out anything else. So I thought you like you sent me a picture of you actually having the game. Yes. I'm confused. So I had the game. So I was really excited because I found it, which was awesome. Um, but I thought I was going to be able to borrow my friend's PS2 because we don't have one right now oh. and that didn't happen. And then I was like, oh yeah, maybe like totally have never looked up by PS3 if it can backwards compatibility. Didn't think it could. Definitely didn't. God damn it. It's not one so, of the original launch PS3s? No. And I didn't think it was, but I couldn't remember. And then I... Um, just sat it beside my computer to see if it could like absorb. So I guess the obvious question needs to be asked. Did you actually play any of Ratchet and Clank? Well, I told you I was having a really hard time with Star Menu. And you weren't Uh, No, I think I... Uh, I would say maybe halfway. Okay, is where so I you, got. You got a good chunk in. Yeah. Okay. And I'll be honest, I, I, I didn't. Wasted too much time with the friggin' gold bolts, though. Oh yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't beat it. I got to within three or four stages of the final end or the final boss, but I was kind of jumping back and forth between this one and then the PS4 one, which. It's it's kind of hard to describe. It's a game that's based on the movie that just came out last week, but the movie is based on the original game. So It's so inceptiony. Ipso facto, the PS4 game is what's being referred to as a reimagining of the first game, which is the one we're playing. So I just wanted to see the differences between the two, but um, Ratchet & Clank is from Insomniac Games, came out in 2000... Oh, man, I want to look this up so I don't quote it incorrectly. 
2002 on the PlayStation 2. This was their first foray into the PS2 realm. Um, Insomniac Games had a lot of success with the Spyro franchise, and they said, you know what, we need to step away from Spyro and go a different direction. And that direction in the end came out to be Ratchet and Clank. Um, did you have re- we played Spyro? Have we talked about any Spyro games? I don't think directly, but it's either Dan or Tom is always talking about Spyro games. Hmm. We should side note that. We should. Did you give that article a breeze that I sent you? Yeah. So and I just pulled it up again to make sure. <laughs> there was a really interesting feature written on uh, Gama Sutra. I don't know how long ago this was posted. Um, It doesn't specifically say, but it goes through kind of the history and the development of how Ratchet and Clank came to be because Insomniac Games, as we said, was trying to find their new path after Spyro. And I think they were a little bit reluctant to fall back into, okay, let's just make another Spyro-style game but nobody was really blockading them from saying, this is what you need to do. Or, this is where we want to go. You know, the the road is open, but which way do you go? And mm-hmm. that actually ended up hurting them in the long run because they developed this this uh, concept game. What do they what do they call it? Um, I-5. In, for Insomniac game number five, I think. Where it was this human girl with a staff and she would use magic and it was kind of a darker game. And Sony's like, yeah, whatever, you know, do what you want. Spyro was really a popular game. Like, we trust you. You guys can do whatever you want. And like a year into development, team morale was just garbage. And (laughs) nobody was really excited about working on the game. And they played it. It functioned. But it just wasn't very fun. So they scrapped it. Essentially, a year into development, scrapped this entire game. Which I think is just, like, so sad. That would be so hard. Well, if you think about it, and they, they actually... They, they talked about some of the reasons why it didn't succeed. Um, mainly because it just didn't feel fun. But they were trying to move away from animal characters and she was a human character but it was the the human eye and i guess i never realized this if you look at an animal character versus a human character it's easier to spot proportional flaws in a human than it is in an animal character well especially like a a not not yeah real playable animal. animal characters yeah it's always going to be a little funky so that was one of the main reasons. Like we just couldn't really ever get her to look right, and they just nobody, nobody on the team really was in love with what. What was this girl's name? Did they give her a name? I don't think so. But in the end, they were just kind of ambivalent about this whole project, and they're just like, you know what, we're gonna stop production and start over. And I actually think that that that's good because that development. And I wonder, I'd be curious to know how many development teams go through this i know quantic dream does they will develop something that they never really have intentions of finishing but it allows them to a try something new or 
work out the kinks in either a new engine or on a new console. Yeah. And I think it's good that they do this, but I would be so sad. Well, as All a developer, of that work. I guess. But it, it, it played to their strengths of like, okay, now they sat down and like within two weeks, they just said, boom, this is where we're going. And Ratchet and Clank came out of that and everybody was instantly happy about it and they were excited to be working on it again. Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting to see. The other thing that I thought was really cool is as they were developing this game, some, they did something with another developer that had really never been done in the industry before and still really never will be done or has been done. But they kind of teamed up with Naughty Dog. Yeah. Who was notor- who was who was famous for Jack and Daxter series. And they kind of had this gentleman's agreement about, hey, here's what we have developed. Um, if you improve upon it, tell us about it. And that's pretty. That was the agreement. So they just kind of had this working relationship between two competing developers, which I thought was really cool. And you can see some of the in, uh, influences. I mean, Jack and Dexter and Ratchet and Clank are are very similar games. Yeah. But I, I, I like reading development history about games. I think a lot of times when a new game comes out, good or bad we as consumers just don't really think too much about what it went what went into this we don't realize that hey this was a year or two or possibly even more of a group of people's lives and no it's yeah if it sucks and we shit on it basically we say you just wasted 2 years of your life and i think as consumers or as as gamers i think we at least need to stop and recognize be like hey you know what i can't do that i don't enjoy the game but you know to your point these people already put in a year of development on i5 that got scrapped and then they made ratchet and clank fortunately ratchet and clank was met with critical acclaim and obviously we have this huge sprawling franchise so it was a good decision for them to scrap it but I wonder, too, if, like, because Spyro is not very edgy, I want to say. No, it's filled with bright, whimsical colors, and you're this dragon that shoots fire at these fantastical creatures. And and by no means is, like, Ratchet and Clank very edgy, but I wonder if, like... Naughty Dog was like, hey, let's bring up the the humor a little bit more. Let's... You mean Insomniac? No, if Naughty Dog brought that out in Insomniac. Oh, yeah. I could, yeah. With Jack and Dexter. I could see that. I mean, from the beginning, they said, hey, we want to... Uh, we want to address more niche markets... You know, we want to move away from the platform genre because that's what they'd been known for. And ultimately, in the end, that's what they came back to because it's what they were good at. And they reinvented it. And Ratchet and Clank actually brought a lot of 
platform standards to the table that are still used today. One that I can think of uh, before we actually get into the game is the quick select wheel where you press triangle yeah. and it pauses the game, pulls up your quick select, and then you choose an item and you're right back into the shit. That's a standard innovation in games today. And I don't want to say other games haven't done something similar to it, but in that style that's been that resonates as far into gaming as today, Ratchet & Clank did it. Did it pause for you? I don't think mine paused. Now that I think about it, no, it didn't because and that's I think that's what's so cool about it is that it didn't require you to cut yourself out of the action. You could still be running around, pull up your quick select and go. Well, I think it's interesting because I feel like that's a crutch that I rely on constantly in some games when you're like, oh, man, shit, I need to think about this for a second. Let's switch my weapon out. Yeah. And you get that pause, you get that slow down and that breather. Whereas, um, like, oh, Last of Us 2. I think that was one of the last games that I played, like one of the recent games that didn't have that pause feature in it where you kind of were constantly immersed within the game and well, I think the most now. I think the most recent or uh, difficult example is the Dark Souls series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, boom, this is your weapon. You're getting attacked. You have the wrong weapon. Either run away or die. Yeah. And that's especially apparent in boss battles, too. I can't tell you how many times I went into a boss battle. I'm like, oh, crap. And then you just die. Like, all right, well, now I know for next time. Um, and it kind of happened with Ratchet and Clank, too, where yeah. I wouldn't have the right gun. And then I'd just be in this the, the thick of it, and I couldn't select another gun without the game being active. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot more fast-paced, and I really enjoy that aspect of it. So, yeah, you're right. I, I was incorrect with that, where it doesn't pause the game. And you do get to learn, like, that weapon wheel really quickly. <laughs> well, and then you start messing with it. So the the basis of Ratchet & Clank, for people who aren't familiar with it, is it's kind of your typical hero saves the galaxy story. I mean, it's not really reinventing this story arc. Um, Ratchet is kind of this mechanic that lives on this backwater planet with hopes of being a part of something big. He wants to go into space and just experience the galaxy. Um Concurrently, there is this executive chairman, Drek, who has plans to systematically destroy planets around the galaxy by taking the best features of each planet and building his own, but in the process destroying the other planet. There's a factory that's creating robots to help in the destruction of these planets, and there is a malfunction in this plant that creates Clank. And instead of being destroyed, you know, he's supposed to be this big, burly, uh, death-destroying robot. He turns out to be this small little pipsqueak, <laughs> rolls off the factory line, and manages to escape and crash lands on Ratchet's planet. And Ratchet sees the plane crashing, or the spaceship crashing, goes, picks him up, boom, they're friends. Um, and Clank says, hey, this is what's going on. You need to help me with so-and-so. And, -so. and they, they discover, oh, 
we need to go find Captain Quark. He's this galactic superhero. And <laughs> he'll know what to do. And let me tell you what. In all of the pantheon of gaming characters, Quark is one of my favorite. Yeah. Have you played other Ratchet and Clank games? No. He is... This game is easily his worst appearance. But in the PS3 games, they blow him up into this larger-than-life, just dopey, celebrity-scale superhero who's supposedly paid his heroic dues, and now he's just riding this wave of fame. But he's so just oblivious and ignorant to how things actually work. And he's just hilarious. It's like the Kardashian of uh, oh, big time Ratchet and Clank world, big time. So they they go to Ratchet and Clank go to try to find Quark, and in the process discover that oh shit, Quark's in on this too. Um, so the whole game just is you exploring these different planets, finding these info bots to try to piece this story together and figure out how can we stop. Chairman Drek from destroying all of these planets. With the, what did you call them again? The little mini infobots. Yeah. Like I had a, no idea what those were at first, because he stuffed it into his little like clank compartment. Like, what the hell did I, what happened? And then I was good, but I was very confused. So for that moment in time. They they did a really interesting. Uh, they did something really interesting with the design of this and that article. We'll put it out on on our Facebook page after we post the show. Um, they talk about the design for this game and how it was designed at a macro level, where they said, "Okay, here's the overall scale of the game," and then everything that they put into that had to fit the macro level, and they did it to such a complete a complex scale that if they pulled one piece out, the rest would crumble. And it's really apparent when you discover how you move through the game. So I think there's, I want to say 18 planets, but each planet within is basically its own level, but there's different missions within each. Yeah. But you can't just plow through all the parts of that planet at once so the first planet, you can't advance because you don't have the hook shot. And you can't get the hook shot until you go to the next planet. But you can't get to the next planet until you complete the first mission on this first planet and find the info bot that reveals the coordinates for the next planet. So the, the planets are really intricately tied together, um, which is great for the level design because as you're going through, you discover this spot of like, oh, this is really cool. I'd like to be able to go there. Oh, I don't have the grind boots. Or, oh, I don't have the boost jump. And then... When you get that, it, something triggers in your memory like, oh, I need to go back to that spot. Which I think is such a great way to make the world seem so much bigger, even if it's not. Yeah, the levels really aren't very large, but they're so well designed and so fun to play through. And the, the platforming... I don't know if I really like to call this a platforming game because I think of platforming as your Mario's where you're jumping specifically from spot to spot. It's Yeah. I associate it more with an action adventure style game. Yeah. Even though it is typically billed as a as a platformer game. Um 
But I think the best facet of this game is the weaponry. Yeah. And it's the it's the one thing that Ratchet and Clank has kind of stood on uh, to the point where they used to run TV commercials. Did you ever see those back in the day when they were really pounding these out, the early 2000s? Possibly. So they would have, like, they were live action uh, TV spots where they would have these people playing with these new guns. Like one of them was the uh, a gun that would change animals or people into chickens. And then this this friend shoots his friend. This guy shoots his friend with the gun and then this hawk comes down and picks his friend up and flies away. And it looks like it's shot on a little handy cam, like something that would be uploaded on YouTube. And it's just really good marketing for that. But it really captured, it really captured yeah, the hilarity back. Of these weapons, because typical games, they just have like, okay, here's your gun, here's your sniper rifle, here's yeah. your machine gun. The ones in this are so goofy. I mean, yeah. they just had to have a blast sitting at the table going, hmm, how about a gun that turns everyone into chickens? And they're like, okay, That's go hilarious. with it. How many of the guns, like, you only made it halfway, so you probably didn't unlock a ton, but how many did you end up getting? Um, I had the fire one. Okay. Um, the blaster, the, like, you start with a bomb one. Um, but then I had the bomb one with, like, the the minions. The doom glove. Doom glove, yes. Um, the, it wasn't the heckler, like, what was it? The, the taunting like, you gun? Distra- taunting, that was it. Yeah. Um, and then the, um, water one, the, I'm trying to see if I can find a list here. Here we go. So you start out with your wrench, which, which is like the best thing ever. Did you, you figured out you could throw it, right? Yeah. Like that's all I used when it was like closer combat. It like such a good weapon it, it's great melee combat too i mean you can swing you can throw it you can jump up do power slams with it but you get the bomb glove which is fantastic that guy, yeah. that weapon recurs throughout a lot of the games but they improve so much upon it later where you can actually target people um so this one it, it throws a little cursor out on the ground like this is where your bomb's gonna hit uh the blaster is pretty good the suck cannon was fantastic like going back to the bomb glove, bomb glove. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I just freaking love the animation for it. You just felt like you're such a badass. He just oh, like yeah. nonchalantly tosses it around. It's like here, guys, hold on so to this. Good. Yeah, just love that. Uh, the mine glove. I never really. Oh yeah. I didn't play with that one too much. I was irritated with that, and obviously it made sense but um i just beat where i ended was i just beat the the snaggle what was his name um quirks quirks the oh the guy with the fire you're in that that lava fire yeah lava chamber that was a tough boss well i was like i was like oh man like i totally used up all my blasters let's see what this mine does Mm -hmm. oh no as soon as it hit the flame it blew up i'm like oh that makes sense but i didn't really find a purpose for it uh yeah um there was the devastator which is a a missile launcher which comes in handy a lot later did you get the walloper 
No, and I didn't get the Devastator. Oh, the Walloper's great because he puts on this big, comically large metallic boxing glove and just punches through people. Really? There's a Visabomb gun, which is like the Devastator, but you get to... Control it? it? Yeah, so you get to see through the eyes of the rocket. Kind of like the Nikita missile from Metal Gear Solid. That's cool. The decoy glove, the drone device, the Tesla claw, which is pretty sweet. It throws out this spike that sits in the ground and fires electricity out. That's wicked. Uh, The Morpho Ray, which changes everyone into chickens. That's amazing. They... They talked about this in that article. There were more weapons that they wanted to put in, but they ended up having to cut it. One of them was called the Revolverator, and it was this gun that, when utilized, was so taxing on the system that it just caused everything to crash. What would it do? I think... I mean, obviously, I'm assuming it was this really high-powered pistol. Uh, Oh, Oh, no, it was a drill that would proceed to spin them over his head. I feel like the revolverator could go a few different ways with that. You know, the you come across an, a, a miner in the original game that has a drill. He's trying to drill through some raritanium, and Ratchet fixes his drill. That's supposed to be the revolverator. Oh, okay. I love the names for everything. Oh, yeah. And it just gets goofier as it goes on. I mean, like, in Ratchet and Clank Future Tools of Destruction, you have the disco ball that when you throw it, just everybody starts jamming to disco. <laughs> um, but I think the other aspect of it, too, aside from the weapons that's so fun are the different gadgets that you get. And as you progress through the game, you meet these different um, inventors and tinkerers who will upgrade Clank for you. Like the first one they give you is a helipack, so you can now do a double jump and then glide with with uh, helicopter blades attached to your back. Um, Which after getting that, I felt useless, like that I had progressed so far without it. There's actually a level much later in the game where Clank gets struck by lightning and you can't use him. And I'm like, oh, I, no. I, don't, I don't know how to... I can't play this. I don't have Clank. And it was really interesting for them to... Because this was after he had been upgraded to the thruster pack. So I had rockets and could jump farther and jump higher. And uh, you could do this... You remember Mario 64, how you'd run and do Z and B to do that long jump? Yeah. It's the same concept in here. And you can do that with the booster pack and charge through enemies and hit them. And without that, like... I don't know how to play this anymore. <laughs> um, but you eventually get magnet boots that allow you to walk upside down on certain surfaces. Um, the thruster pack, the O2 mask, you get a hydro pack for faster underwater swimming. You get a PDA, which is awesome because it allows you to purchase ammo from anywhere instead of just the Gadgetron vendors. That's awesome. Because that's we didn't really talk about that. There's a lot of boxes hidden around everywhere, and when you kill enemies, you collect bolts, and those bolts are your currency. And they don't overflow. They don't overload you with bolts to the point where everything is just easily come by. Yeah. 
I'm almost to the end, and there's still about eight weapons. Or no, about six weapons that I don't own. I was struggling so much in... Uh, what is the planet that you go to where you have to do the like the easy obstacle course when you first meet Quark? Like you don't meet him. The, his trainer, his hilarious trainer. Oh yeah, it's like uh, you guys isn't that suck. Planet Kerwin, the Metropolis city. I think so. Yeah, or that no, one. Uh, that might be Umbris, Quark's headquarters. Either way, no, it wasn't his headquarters. It was like the happy-go-lucky kind of city. Then that's, I think that's definitely Kerwin. Because that's so pretty that, early where you get invited. Like yeah. you, you finally beat it and he invites you to be part of the Rangers. Um, Mainly because yeah. he pops out and he's like, oh, they beat it? Like, yeah, of course they're going to be part of the Rangers, you know. But he clearly didn't want them to be. I think so. Um, That one, though. Like, yeah, it was super early. And I hadn't really been paying much attention to the bolts. And in that one, you have to buy the, you had to buy one weapon to go onto the monster trainer, the robot trainer or something like that. Maybe it was the upgrade, the helipack upgrade. Well, you just organically get the helipack upgrade, but you have to have, you have to, no, you don't have to pay him for it. They just do it. There was something I had to pay some guy in a shop for maybe you but did but anyway i was struggling to find those bolts like struggling i had to um destroy every single lamppost oh, in wow. that area you resorted to, like, to destroying lampposts yeah it was bad wow. it was bad yeah you, you come across <laughs> you come across that later i mean i picked and choose which weapons i wanted to have like obviously i don't need the visibomb gun i don't need the decoy uh, yeah i just picked certain things that are like okay this is super cool um there are a lot of really neat things later in the game did you get to any of the levels where you got to fly the the fighter ship or the fighter jet no but didn't like, did you have to upgrade in order to unlock higher level weapons? I felt like that was... When you get to certain planets, that's when you unlock different weapons. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh. God yeah. damn it. I bought the stupid mine gun because I was like, oh, it'll unlock something else no. later on. No. You can go damn through it. the whole game and not buy any new weapons if you don't want. Huh. So the way to unlock the new locations is finding those info bots. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you'll find an info bot that's hidden that isn't necessarily required to advance the game, but you can find them just yeah. hidden around the area. But the other thing that just naturally I found were I only found two gold bolts. Okay, so what do these gold bolts do at the end of the game? They actually... Uh, allow you to purchase upgraded versions of the weapons of different weapons oh through the the galactic sales place the gadgetron (laughs) galactic sale yes um i never focused too much on them um but 
I believe there are 40 of them. There's a lot. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, you could trade them for gold versions of the weapons, which are more powerful than the originals. Um, you can't okay. you can't upgrade all of them, but it was kind of the in- introductory system that they used going forward. All of the the Ratchet and Clank games, PS3 and on, introduced the upgrade system where you can actually use your bolts and some raritanium to upgrade different parts of your gun. Like, do you want it to have more ammo? Do you want it to do more damage, have more range? Um, bullets explode. That was in the hit. original? No, that's what they developed oh, later. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that's really forward thinking. So moving, so coming back to playing this without having that, it was, it was a step backwards, but to yeah. see that, like, okay, the, the foundation for this was laid. And it's really interesting if you think about a lot of that, where the this game has a ton of weapons. And you're not going to play all of the weapons, but then moving forward, there are just as many weapons, but then there are different builds for each weapon. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I mean, the, the games moving forward are so much fun. The PS3 games, A Crack in Time is the best in the series. Hands down, the absolute best. Huh. So coming back to these, it's still fun. Don't get me wrong. The original Ratchet and Clank is in, insanely fun to play. Um, it's a step backwards in terms of weapon development. Yeah. But overall, um, the story leaves a little bit to be desired. It's it's goofy. It builds a lot of the fun characters. About halfway through, out of nowhere, uh, Ratchet just turns sour towards Clank. They have a little dispute about, should we, right after they discover that Quark is in on it with Chairman Drek. And the only reason Quark is in on it is because he's... Um, wants to... Go ahead. I, th- I think he wants to... He's sponsoring him. It's a sponsorship, basically. Right? Yeah. He is like, oh, I get to be this super powerful person. Spokesman in for his only. new planet. That's what it was. That's it. And Ratchet says they should go after Quark. Clank says we need to go after Drek. And for some reason, and this was a little unbelievable, if not too abrupt, Ratchet suddenly hates Clank and like starts treating him like a piece of crap, but they're still working towards the same common goal, so they're reluctantly working together. And it was just Well, because like, Ratchet was pissed at Clank for like being like, oh, let's step on this obvious trap. Yeah, I suppose. But still, but, I mean, they were they were buds coming up to this. I feel like it was a little bit too harsh. I mean, where even where I left off, they were just finally starting to repair it. Why does Ratchet become a jerk? Good question. It just happened so out of the blue. It's like, wow, dude, <sighs> tone it back. Chill. Yeah, just calm your tits. We're gonna save the galaxy. True story. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think there's so many good things that this game does right that it's easy to forgive the shortcomings. The The cutscenes leave a little bit to be desired. They're kind of abrupt. Um, voice acting is not terrible. What I think is really interesting is that they did not 
utilize the original voice actor anywhere after this first game. So the original oh, really? voice actor for Ratchet, um, crap, what was his name? I got to look it up. It was Mikey Kelly, who I don't know who the hell that is, but uh, Clank is David K, and he's been in it through the entire series. But they switched over after the first Ratchet and Clank to James Arnold Taylor, who a lot of you might know from Final Fantasy X. He was the voice of Titus. And I never put that correlation together, but now that I have, whenever I hear Ratchet, that's all you can hear. <laughs> whenever I hear Ratchet talk, I'm like, it's Titus. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's funny. after playing through all of the other games because I haven't played through the original one in years. I come back to it, and I'm like, oh, that is not Ratchet. Like, he sounds, he's just super douchey. Uh. I know what I forgot to ask you about in terms of weapons. How far did you get into uncovering the rhino? Um, dude talked about it. Okay. Easily rip the coolest weapon. Rip you a weapon. new one. Either rip you a new one. And that's... The th- I didn't know or remember what that meant or what that stood for. So I played through all of the the subsequent games more recently. I'm like, eh, it's just the rhino. Like, a rhino's big. It's big. It's heavy. It's powerful. I get back to this, like, I didn't know it meant rip you a new one. That's so funny. So this guy That's splits so, up. so, like, yeah. 2000s. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the Doom, the BFG. <laughs> but this guy splits up these blueprints for this ultimate weapon to prevent misuse. And you can kind of collect these pieces and give them back to this plumber and he can build the weapon. So funny. So what do you think of Ratchet and Clank Chess? Um, I was, I don't want to say like pleasantly surprised, but I was impressed with the level difficulty. Like it really was a fun game that you didn't stress too much playing. And when you failed, you wanted to try again. Yeah, except for the freaking water stupid race thing are you talking about the one where you activate the water to come up and then you have to race through the level and get to the end before you drown yes so you're not actually swimming but there's a part of it where you are it took me two or three tries to get through that i like almost had to replace a monitor because i was gonna throw something through it because i was so frustrated the first time i died i was surfacing at the end and got within a few pixels of the air and died yeah like, yeah, was... and it doesn't care. Nope, like, you suck. <sighs> there are parts of the game later that get really frustrating, and I think that's a shortcoming of not design, but um, character control at the time. They were okay. they were a little bit ambitious with the level design, and, and the controls can be clunky at times. And I would just fall I found off the map. That was, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually. The checkpoints were a little too few and far between. So if you'd get through a really awesome part that was really difficult and then die, more often than not, you'd have to redo that part. And I wasn't 100% 
but the checkpoint, like I couldn't really tell when I had reached a checkpoint. No, they which don't. was a little frustrating. I don't think they tell you because I was like, oh, okay, like um, I have to go make dinner. Like, let's just turn it off now because obviously I just beat this level that was a little complex. It's gonna have saved. No, mm, certainly not. Sucks to suck. Yep, but. It, it, pull it back. We're playing a game that was made in 2002. It's 14 years old. I think it. I think it's held up surprisingly well. Yeah, but there were save features that were implemented better. Correct. Yes. Back in the day. Correct. So you played both. You played. I didn't play HG. through a lot of the PS4 version. Okay. Um, I played through enough to see that this this game was designed for the movie. It tells the exact same story, but through the perspective of Quark. So Quark is narrating oh. it. And it's really interesting because occasionally... So it's Quark in prison telling the story to a prison mate. And occasionally, Quark the narrator will come on and talk about something that's happening. He's just really flamboyant about it. You know, Ratchet gets his helipack upgrade and uh, Clank gets it and, and uh, Quark comes on with some sort of quip about, well, up until now, our, our intrepid heroes couldn't get up a very, a, a very high cliff, but now with this new upgrade, they're able to make higher leaps and bonds. He's, just, he's telling a story. Um, there's a lot more voiceover. There's a lot more just ambient stuff happening. And my God, the worlds are gorgeous. So does that take over for the Infobots then? Do you not have those? Uh, I don't recall getting any. Um, I only played through the first planet and a half. So I want to beat the original and then replay the PS4 version and really compare the two. So I didn't have Fair. a whole lot of time to dump into it. Um, but they've implemented the weapon upgrade system from the PS3 games. So now you can actually go in and fully upgrade your weapons. But it seems to oh, follow sweet. a pretty... Like, the, the level layouts are still the same. The car- the enemies are still the same. There seems to be more of them. Um, you're not lacking for bolts at any time, but the chaos is just ratcheted up tenfold. <laughs> but images-wise, like I've looked at pictures... And it looks really cool. It is a phenomenally gorgeous game. The The PS2 games were great because they really advanced background rendering and these huge, sprawling vistas. This game, just it's gorgeous. It's just hands-down gorgeous. Um, it's as close as you'll get now to playing a Pixar game. Yeah. And what's cool is they'll pull in actual scenes from the movie. That's what I was going to say. Did a lot of... That the animation come from the movie. Well, some of the cutscenes are actual cuts from the movie. Oh, that's cool. So the only downside that I've read, and I, I don't want to lend too much credence to this, they say that the the acting and uh, the storytelling and cutscenes are pretty stiff and choppy. But if you look at the source material from the first game, it's just kind of emulating it. But they could have jumped up. They could have ramped it up in terms of that now that they have the movie out but you know you can't have everything it's still a friggin' blast to play and if it's your first foray into the world of ratchet and clank you're definitely not going to be let down 
So, so is he a cat? He is a lombax, which is kind of like a cat mixed with a fox or a lynx. He looks like a lynx. Kind of, yeah. But the fox kind of pulls a little fox-esque as well. Yes. There's some de- there's some initial design feature or de- design sketches of what they kind of wanted him to look like at the beginning on that article. Mm-hmm. So. Because the 2016, like, you can see individual hairs. Like, it's really cool. They really pulled out all the stops for him, so. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think you'll play through any more of them? I think I will. I highly recommend the PS3 ones. You kind of have to play Tools of Destruction before you go into A Crack in Time because the stories tie together. But A Crack in Time is so good. So I would say give that a shot. Sounds good. Jess, would you like to do some emails? Yes. You can send us an email at factorysealed at manatank.com or podcast at factory-sealed.com. Uh, we, I believe, have two emails. Our first one comes from Jay Carlson. He writes, guys, your reference about Detroit is spot on. It's an okay place, but because of the refineries just south of the city, the shit stank smell wafts up and coats the city in odor. So yeah, a person's first impression coming up from anywhere south of Toledo is a negative one. I enjoyed this episode more because the topics were all over the place, informative and entertaining. Keep up the laughs. Thanks, TARDIS adventurer Jay Carlson. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, Tom and I ripped into Detroit pretty hard. Um, The TARDIS adventurer, like totally not on topic at all. But I was out at the bank the other day and I heard the freaking TARDIS and I was so excited for like half a second and i was like oh my god this is real life there's an actual tardis coming and then i realized that it was someone's ringtone and i got very sad such a nerd i know that was an embarrassing i just can't i understand why people do but man i just can't get into it we'll save that you're a loser uh next email comes from samuel chun he writes to everyone on the show I just found you all in a whim while looking for a new podcast. I desperately want to catch up on all the past feeds, but 96 is a lot, especially when trying to start from the beginning. As I was looking through the episode, sort of picking and choosing the interesting titles, I noticed a severe lack of Sega Genesis love. I had a fairly long and interesting affair with Sega Genesis on my side of the mainstay of Nintendo systems, and I consider myself a Nintendo fanboy because my first retro system was definitely NES. There are some really good gems in the world that was Sega Genesis, aside from Sonic Road Rash and Streets of Rage 2. Off the top of my head, I can think of at least several really good Genesis games, even RPGs, and many more that weren't that were good enough. Seriously, I really like what you all do, and I wish for more Sega Genesis time. If you're willing to bear with me, I can easily send a list of Genesis games that you all shouldn't miss. Regards, a new listener. I agree. We have been pretty biased towards not <laughs> pretty much anything's not yeah yeah i think we need to switch over to some that's gonna make dan too happy though like dan's I gonna know, be super bonerific about it 
He doesn't really push that much, though. Well, all he I'm wants to play is Sonic and Streets of Rage. Yeah, so I mean, we played Echo. Step up his game. What oh, else? fuck that shit! Yeah, fuck that game. Um, <laughs> we played Aladdin. Yeah, because we were comparing it. What the hell else did we like? We really haven't played a lot of Genesis games. Ugh. We'll have to figure something out, but. Uh, I always like hearing from our new listeners. I think I think it's interesting to see what new listeners think of the show coming in now and then going back to see how they've progressed versus how people who've been with us from the beginning. I mean, we've definitely come a long way. I was going to say, they'll all be like, God damn, they got stupid. <laughs> we used to be... A, a smidge more intellectual. <laughs> and then it just, like, we just took a dump. It's true. I, think I blame we, your child. I Yes. And I blame Dan <laughs> and I blame Tom and just everything in general. Like, we said, you know what? We just need to ratchet up the ridiculousness. Uh, ratchet? You just can't let a good reference like that's just the factory sealed way, I guess. To Tom point and I it just out. talked about this last week. We just can't let something lay. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. That was shit. <laughs> good one, Jess. Thanks. <laughs> um, no, it's good. I like. I like. Uh, hearing where people found us from or what you think of us now versus what we what we used to be i think it's definitely right around episode 45 was when we took our left turn 45 exactly well that's when dan joined in and we kind of decided to do this weekly and change the format true because we changed a little bit after aaron left and we brought nick on and then we died off again and been a year of going almost weekly it's crazy pants it is so we got to figure out what we're going to play next week something light we'll put that out later but uh jess where can we find you on twitter at i'm a jess you can find me at honest pizza or you want to follow our show at factory underscored sealed we're on facebook facebook.com slash factory sealed uh we're going to post the show tomorrow which i guess if you're already listening to that that's totally irrelevant um time traveling but we will post that article we were talking about alongside it so you can read through that just any uh closing thoughts or possible recommendations for a game i feel like i need to change my twitter to at i'm a badass motorcycler at i'm in a motorcycle club <laughs> yes i think maybe we should do the harvest moon game for next week oh true Let's run it by Dan and Tom, uh, but we'll figure that out. Uh, Jess, you don't have anything else. That's it for, I think that's it for us this week. Sounds good. All right. We will see you all in five days. (laughs) 